Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So Sven says to Oli, hey, I found this pen, is it yours? Oli says, I don't know, give it here. So Oli tries it out, and Oli says, yep, it's mine. Sven says, how do you know? Oli says, well, it's my handwriting. Um. Oh, yeah, thanks, cheap. (laughs) Jesus says to Nicodemus, you must be born again. Nicodemus says, you mean I got to crawl back up in my mother's womb? I mean, talk about going over somebody's head. It is almost as if they are speaking two different languages. Now, there are two Greek words that you need to know in order to get what's going on in John chapter 3. The first of these is panuma. We often silence the P when it comes over to English. Pneuma. It forms the basis of our English words pneumonia and pneumatic, so dealing with air, breath. And it can be translated as air, breath, wind, or spirit. Now, what is frustrating in most English translations is that they are wildly inconsistent with how they translate panuma in John chapter 3. Take verse 8, for example. In the first half of the verse, the ESV translates it as wind. The wind, the panuma, goes where it wishes. You hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from. Okay, Jesus is not interested in the barometric pressure. It is best translated as this. The Spirit goes where he wishes. You hear his voice, but you do not know where he comes from or where he goes. Thus it is of everyone born of the Spirit. Now, this fact is either really frustrating for preachers or really relieving, because what it means is that we don't control conversion. The Spirit and the Holy Spirit alone does this. One does not get to pick when they are born, and one most certainly does not get to pick when they are born again. Now, if preachers were judged based on the effectiveness of their sermons, Jesus would have been deemed a failure. Many believed in him, but most did not. The second Greek word you need to know is anothen. Now, it can mean again, as in you must be born again, and that's how Nicodemus understands it. But it also means from above. And this is the preferred translation. You must be born from above. Now, in order for this to work, for in order for you to understand this, we have to establish something really elementary, really obvious. Okay? From above means up from here. And if you can accept that, we'll be able to do some stuff. Sometimes things are so obvious, though, that we fail to see it. Example, a couple weeks ago I was talking to the college kids about fasting because we're in the season of Lent. It was in the news that some pastors tried fasting for 40 days and 40 nights without eating or drinking anything. And unsurprisingly, they got really, really sick and somebody even died. So I told them, don't do it. (laughs) Don't try to fast for 40 days. If you're going to fast, eat one meal during the day. Oh yeah, why do they call it breakfast? Some of the students yell out, oh yeah, break fast. I thought we were done. Except a moment later, and I got his permission to tell the story, one student goes, you didn't explain anything. You just broke the word apart. (laughs) Sometimes things are so obvious that we fail to see it. From above means up from here. 
And Jesus continues to teach in what is not a disconnected teaching, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. As an up from here. He's talking about his cross. And so when Jesus says, you must be born from above, and that the Son of Man must be lifted up, he is saying that you must be born from his cross. No wonder why Nicodemus didn't get it. And so Jesus continues to teach. It's not anything different, but he's explaining it more. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Well, what comes outside of Jesus' side on the cross? Water and blood. And not just the water and the blood, but the water and the blood and the Spirit. These three things testify. On the cross, Jesus hands over. Oftentimes, John 19 is translated as he gives up his spirit. No, he hands over his spirit, as in he gives you the Holy Spirit. The water and the Spirit both come out from the cross. So when Jesus says you must be born from above, and you must be born of the water and the Spirit, he's saying you must be born, you must be converted at the cross. Now, of course, this is about baptism. But it's not baptism in the abstract. What Jesus is saying is that baptism is not merely symbolism. Baptism is an actual participation in the death of Jesus Christ. Now, Paul says it explicitly in Romans 6. He says it as a matter of fact. It's so obvious to him. He says, don't you know that those of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? But Jesus says it first when he's talking to Nicodemus about being born from above. We had a baptism at Trinity this morning. I love these days. It's always a sight to behold. Because that water, which that little girl was baptized in, it's the same water which gushed outside of Jesus' side on the cross. Okay, this blood, which you are going to drink during communion, it's the same blood which came out when the soldiers pierced his side. The spirit which you have, it is the same Holy Spirit which Jesus handed over to you from his cross. The cross, and only the cross, converts one to be a Christian. Jesus did countless miracles, and what did the people try to do? They tried to kill him. Not even Easter creates faith. The first thing a man says when he tells the truth is that all men are liars. How could you look at a guy who came back from the dead and not believe it? That's exactly what happened. Christianity is the most common sense thing in the world, which is precisely why so many people don't believe it. You could tell me, prove Christianity to me, and you know what? I would. I would using the historical, the biological, and the logical. But it just wouldn't matter. It just wouldn't do. The cross and only the cross converts. If faith is caused by a natural disaster or by winning the lottery, that faith is useless. Easter, in fact, does not create Christians. Lent and only Lent does. The cross converts. It's the dividing line. You ever ask yourself, why do some people believe and others don't? Simple. It's the cross of our Lord. What do you see when you look at it? Now, Jesus compa uh, compared his crucifixion to a snake on a pole, and it either repels you or it draws you in. Go read Numbers 21, verses 4 to 9. Jesus references it here in John chapter 3. Short story, but the Israelites are dying from snake venom, but God always provides a way for his people to live. So he tells Moses, lift up a serpent on a pole, and whoever looks at it will live. 
A bronze serpent on a pole is the dividing line of whether you live or die. Jesus on the cross is the dividing line. Do you believe it, that God is giving up his son, he is lifting up his son there, or don't you? This is what Jesus is talking about with Nicodemus in John chapter 3. Now, John, Nicodemus doesn't understand it yet, but he will. The Spirit goes where he wishes. You hear his voice, but you don't know where he comes from. We fast forward to John chapter 19, and who's there? Nicodemus, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and alloys, about 75 pounds in weight. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen clothes with the spices. It is amazing because Jesus' own disciples flee from him from the cross. But Nicodemus is drawn in. John tells us he came with Joseph of Arimathea to collect the body of our Lord. Now Mark and Luke portray it in the most fascinating of ways. They don't tell us about Nicodemus, but they do tell us about Joseph of Arimathea. And it's the most beautiful thing in the world because this is how they describe it, Mark and Luke. They say Joseph of Arimathea was looking for the kingdom of God. Next sentence. And so he went and asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. What that means is that the body of Jesus is the kingdom of God. It is not some abstract thing. And so when Jesus and Nicodemus are having a conversation about the kingdom of God in John chapter 3, about entering it, about seeing it, the kingdom was standing right in front of Nicodemus, right before his eyes. He was so blinded to that fact, he could not see it. But now, after the cross, Nicodemus saw the water gush out of our Lord's side. He received the Spirit. Nicodemus had truly been born again. My friends, it is all about the cross. I preach nothing but Christ and him crucified. Our Lord's cross is where faith is sustained, created, and nourished. From his cross is still flowing water that floods our baptismal fonts. From his cross is still spilling the blood into our chalices. Now, when the unconverted look at the cross, they see something ugly, they see capital punishment, they see a snake on a pole. But when the converted, when believers look at our Lord's cross, they see the most glorious moment that the world has ever known. They see God in all his glory, giving up his son for the life of the world. They see angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. The cross is heaven. Easter is great. In John 21, our Lord does prepare breakfast for us on the beach, which in fact does break the Lenten fast. But we should be slow to go, not because we don't like Easter, but because we don't want to leave our Lord's cross. In the name of Jesus.